0: From the All-Ireland Business Foundation, this is Elaine Carl bringing you AIBF Business Talk. AIBF is an independent national body tasked with enterprise development and the promotion of best-in-class businesses as business all-stars. Today, I catch up with Sonia McEntee of multi-award-winning Sonia McEntee Solicitors, which incorporates apartment law. It was established back in 2002 and specializes in all aspects of apartment law. You so much for joining me on AIBF Business Talk today, Sonia. Sonia, when I think of law and solicitors and the legal side of things, you know, I think of say conveyancing, buying, or selling a house, I think of you know personal injuries, criminal law, but you've actually got a particular niche and focus on a very different area. Would you like to share with our listeners, you know, your particular area of focus within Sonia McIntyre solicitors?
1: Thanks, Elaine, and and thanks for having us on today. So my uh, area of focus is very much on the multi-unit development sector. So that covers apartment developments, mixed housing and apartments, housing estates, commercial developments as well. So your typical shopping centres. So any area where you have multiple properties that have common areas and are making use of common facilities. So just think of roadways, car parks, all of those. Once you see that kind of an arrangement, that's what we That's what we deal with. And how we came to that was, you know, you mentioned the conveyancing and that sort of thing. When I set up my practice first, which was back in 2002, I was very property focused. I had a background in taxation as well. So very much looking at investors who wanted all of that kind of tax advice around what they were doing that was property related. And as the recession came, as the great recession, the great financial crash came and pulled the rug from under us, I might as well say, I had to look at how we were going to reposition practice so I actually spent about 12 months taking a giant step back from what we were doing and looking hard at how we could just you know I suppose the term we use now is pivot how we could reposition ourselves um to look a little different to the typical solicitor's practice on the street so um it was around the time that the multi-unit developments act was coming into force so that was 2011 and that act had been under discussion and debate for several years before that. So we had lots of notice that this was coming. So we just took a focus on that and um and, and went out to promote ourselves into that space, having found that so many people who buy into that kind of property structure don't fully appreciate or or maybe even don't fully understand what it is that they've bought into. So so that was the that was the objective going out there we're going to we're going to go into this sector and
0: we're going to become um i suppose a focus point for specialist advice in that i love the i love i think there's a huge lesson there for our listeners you know in particular that the fact that you know back there pre-2011 when you needed, to, I suppose, to reposition yourselves, and you looked at yourselves, look, where can we focus on, and where can you pivot? Because at certain times, you know, the you know our, our economies, it, it all goes in cycles and all of that. And you were so sharp to actually see that. Look, you've got this expertise. What can we actually do to pivot and utilize our expertise in an area that's growing, um, and and to go on then to establish such a, a vibrant, I suppose, you know, thriving practice, very much based around that.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, and even as we talk about this, Elaine, um, when they say necessity is the mother of invention, going back to that time, um, you know, you might find that when fee income is down and work is down, you know, what do you do around that? And I've just come to believe that that is the time, that's the ideal time for investment and, and reinvention. And, and the other thing that we did at that time was really upgraded upgraded our IT systems and how we managed information flow through the offices so um, automated systems case management um, and and in fact I I started remote working around that time myself as well because I had moved back to Cavan for family reasons but my practice was based in Dublin so um, I wasn't going to commute five days a week I commuted a number of days I worked at home the other days so we had all of our systems set up around that time so that in fact has also allowed me to develop a practice whereby I serve and deliver services across the country from my office space here in Cavan. And we just have it, and it also, obviously COVID then didn't come as such a big shock in that sense, we had you know, a lot of those kinds of systems in place, but but it was around that time. So that, th- there was time there for me to think and not just be really up to my elbows in, in client work that was high pressured with, with tight deadlines. There was time for me to sit back and just focus on the practice and how we were going to move it forward.
0: So you were really ahead of the time, you know, not only had you adopted, you know, because of your family situation, you know, in life and all of that, Sonia, had you adopted remote working practices, but more importantly, you were showing that, you know, it could be done simply because you'd made that investment in your systems, in your IT structures, which meant that all of your systems flowed. And even when I think of my own background, going back to say, you know, tax and legal days, I'm thinking of offices full of files and files and files everywhere which can make it so, you know, when you look into them, you can only really feel heavy and some at times when you look into some solicitor's practices. But actually having so much of that automated and systemised really freed you up to say, hang on here, I'm not just Dublin-based, I'm not just cabin-based, I can actually serve all of Ireland. And that's a huge area that you were able to bring such a particular area of expertise, you know, throughout the countryside. And I think because of that, Sonia, I know that you yourself are looked at you know as a real thought leader and expert in this area and other solicitors you know in the country that cases and queries come to them you know they're referred on to you isn't that right
1: yeah no that and, and that's how this is. i suppose it's constant evolution you always have to be looking at what's happening next what's and what's going to happen after that and and how you're going to be how you're going to address that and and not to be not to find yourself simply responding all the time but but getting ahead of of what's coming so the, the practice, I, I noticed myself, Edel I, I here and I were having a little chuckle there as he talked about the paperless office, the elusive paperless office. I was. <laughs> because for as good as we are, and, and we have been for probably, we you know from 2008-2009, scanning everything into the office, scanning everything, and I am ruthless about discarding paper, and yet we're still surrounded by it. Uh, may, maybe not to the same extent as some other offices you might see, but, but we're still surrounded by it. But um yeah just that constant evolution so when we started out on this road elaine it was very much with a focus on um the individual apartment owners or the individual multi-unit owners and then by extension their owners management company so we started there in what i call what i call the the consumer advisory Mm -hmm. space all right so um you know ordinary people who have bought their homes and then found themselves having issues they weren't sure where to go they didn't know they weren't sure what their rights were So we we started there and as it has evolved over time, you know, we now provide services uh, um, that are ancillary into development companies because all of the big developers now need independent representation for the management company structures that they're putting in place. So that's something we've been able to develop over the years. On top of that, then with my own solicitor colleagues, lots of them who have clients who come to them with what we call an apartment law problem, they say, you know what, we're going to send you on to Sonia here she's she's expert in that space, she's been doing it for years, this is too steep a learning curve for me, it's not going to be cost effective for me to do this work for you, so let me send you on to someone who knows what it is and who knows what they're doing. And, and within my colleagues, you know, I've had to assure them that I'm a safe pair of hands for their clients, All right, that they can send their client to me, that I'll do the piece of work that needs to be done, and, and that their client can go back to them um, after that. So Um, It it, it continues to evolve and I I just happened to mention it in conversation earlier, you know, I I now find that I'm being called upon to give expert opinion um, to other firms of solicitors in in situations sometimes where there's deadlock over interpretation of a particular issue and I've been brought into those kinds of situations to advise on them. So it is that constant evolution, where are we going? And now I see, while the apartment law was... um, certainly a novel concept i mean that terminology didn't exist until we brought it um brought it to the market if you like but um now you know now we're looking forward because in 2010 2011 what happened then was um the first big issue to get media attention was the priory hall story and and that was they were that was an apartment development in Dublin where there were very very significant fire safety issues were identified and all of the residents were moved out almost on an overnight basis and there was a huge there was you know massive litigation the whole lot all that flowed from that and there are still lots of developments around the country that are dealing with those kinds of issues and it's really tough for people because particularly people who bought their own homes within those developments because lots of them simply don't have the money they don't have you know, the 5,000 or 10,000 or in some cases 30 or 40,000 euros to come up with to contribute towards having the homes made safe. So we've been able to help in some circumstances around those and in others we've been able to do less. But we see now the, um, you know, I suppose the government finally coming to act in some of these spaces. So like the pyrite remediation, for example, or like the the uh, fire safety remediation scheme that is now under discussion and that will come into effect next year and that will be there specifically for for homeowners less so for investors who've always been able to get their tax deduction on the costs that they put in so if you like you could almost say there may well be a natural narrowing of the road for apartment law into the future we won't see or shouldn't see the same level of problems. We shouldn't see the same level of um, issues arising. So we're using this time now again to get back to expanding. We've always done some other work. So now we're getting back into expanding those other areas. So I have a taxation background. I was Ernst & Young for four years, would have done a lot of um, succession planning type work, a lot of capital taxes type work. So um, that goes into business restructuring, goes into the wills and succession planning. But I suppose a particular area of interest for me has always been family succession in businesses. And if I say I love it, I mean, I really do. I just love to see a business passing from one generation to the next. And it brings all kinds of Certainly financial, I mean, there are legal and tax implications to doing all of that and you want to get that right. But there's, there's the other side of it which is just the human side of it and it is how do we gracefully show mum and dad the door and and convince them <laughs> that they can confidently leave us
0: absolutely and do it. it amicably as well you know yeah, gearing yeah, up yeah. for the future you know and, and and it's great yeah. when you when you do have a passion like that sonia you know yeah. what i mean that there's, it's such it's so so fulfilling and just i suppose before we wrap up sonia you know there's a lot of people out there as you said that sometimes you know they can often say gee proceed at the cost of a solicitor engaging legal advice maybe I don't have it or it's very difficult for me to get. And they said, you know what? Maybe they put it on the long finger. What would your advice to be for somebody maybe that has an issue or is dealing with something um, and they're saying, you know what? Will we or won't we engage, you, you know, with, with the legal side of things?
1: Yeah, no. And I, I mean, I have to acknowledge that that's hugely problematic, Elaine. You know, we... We have substantial costs in running our own practices, which do drive the fees then that are charged onwards to clients. And there's no doubt about it that many people out there can't or feel they can't afford to take legal advice. One of the things we've done over the years is we've tried to uh, work with people to resolve their own problems, but by providing them with the information and guidance at the start that they might need. So we would do quite a lot of what might be one-off advisory calls where we set out for people some of the homework that they need to do they come to us with that information we talk them through we talk through various ideas of how they might move forward and then that, mm-hmm. that then that then allows them to to keep working on the problem themselves now sometimes they need more than that and and that's fine that will come out in the course of that kind of meetings but sometimes that's you know, an hour or well, it might be, say, an hour, an hour and a half of my time, several hours of their time because they're doing the work themselves, but under that kind of guidance. And and I really believe in trying to do that. So arming people with information. And what I have found in this space is that, and maybe going back particularly to the boom property years, Elaine, people didn't think too much about what they were buying or why they were buying into maybe particular developments or areas. And lots of, lots of times that was because it was going to be a stepping stone onto something else. You know, this is maybe I'm in my 20s. And then when I'm in my 30s, I'd like a house, so I have my apartment. And now they find that they still have these apartments and that the apartments are have become problematic for lots of reasons. But they don't necessarily understand that there's a fairly complex legal structure around apartment ownership. So again, we kind of set out to just explain all of that, take people through it, know what it is you're dealing with, know what the different functions are know what your rights are know what your obligations are because very often we find when people come to us they'll say oh I have a problem and so I've stopped paying my management fees so if there's one piece of advice that maybe I would give to people listening to this today is as soon as you stop paying your management fees unfortunately you're on the back foot because the legal structure and how that legal structure is set up is that all of your rights are contingent on you paying your management fees so you know that's just one of those pieces of information Mm. that has kind of got lost and that people don't necessarily appreciate so that would be one piece of advice and then the second piece i would say is get hold of your documentation so everyone who buys into a multi-unit development particularly a multi-unit structure will have a lease and that lease sets out the contractual relationship that exists between the unit owner and The management company or maybe the developer that has gone before them or the developer that might Mm. still be there Mm. or like so many developments the new owner that has bought the developers interest after the developer went out of it so layers of complexity but the governance comes down to that key document and the document which governs the the company which is the company constitution so anyone with problems they are the first two ports of call Mm they are the first two ports of call now, I'll be frank and say, lots of people may find that they can't get their way through. I can't find the answer in there. And it may be that they need someone like me who can find it more readily for them. That's all well and good. So, we, so we're very fo- always very focused, Elaine, on... It might be funny to use the term access to justice around something to this, but I really strongly believe that when people have issues like this, they should be able to access legal advice when they need it. And and that's something that we've tried to do just to just to fill that little space. Just to that, the space and there. it's
0: it's fantastic as well, Sonny. You, you know, I think one huge thing about and you mentioned there earlier was that you know, there's so much. to you know, you you know, in the consumer advisory space, that you know your consumer and your potential client really needs to trust you to engage with you. But it's also such a nod and a testament to your own standing. You know, with, within the you know the legal industry and, and and that side of things, that your peers are coming to you for that expert advice. So, Sonia, it's no wonder you're being acknowledged and inducted as a fellow of the All Ireland Business Foundation, given your success through the Business All-Star Accreditation Programme over the last number of years. And I wish you and all of your colleagues the very best into the future. Elaine, thanks so much for, for
1: for inviting me here to do this today. And again, it's been a wonderful thing to become involved in the Business Foundation over the last couple of years and, and to build, I suppose, wider connections. Connections and networking are where where all of our strengths can bear fruit for us. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great experience. Thank you, Sonia.
0: Thank you for listening to AIBF Business Talk today. I really do hope you enjoyed listening in. To find out more about the All-Ireland Business Foundation and the work that we do, especially the Business All-Stars programme, just go to www.aibf.ie. Remember, never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Until next time, from your host, Elaine Carl, goodbye.